If you're in HR, 2021 probably hasn't been your favorite year. It's being called the Great Resignation. People are leaving their jobs to look for more flexibility. A record 4.3 million people quit their jobs last August. The Great Resignation is picking up speed. The reasons people give for leaving their jobs are as varied as the jobs themselves. But there are some common themes, and one of them is actually quite positive. People are seeing possibilities of working differently. In a recent Citrix survey, 60% of workers polled left their jobs for positions that could give them more opportunities to innovate and try new things. And that's where we come in. I'm Melanie Green. This is Remote Works, an original podcast by Citrix. Today, in Episode 5 of our Hybrid Work Survival Guide, the Great Resignation becomes the Great Rejuvenation. I want to start by talking to one of the millions of people who left work over the past year and a half. It was my dream job. I worked for the company for almost eight years at the time, and I worked my way up. I worked through college, putting everything that I had into my career. Like It was my dream job. Sarah had spent years working her way up in a major Fortune 500 company. And after years of hard work, she got a promotion in the company. I had finally landed that position, my first salaried role, about six weeks before the pandemic hit. So unfortunately, the you know last in, the first out, and I lost my dream job. And with that, I kind of lost a little bit of my identity. So I spent a lot of the first part of the pandemic really searching for that and who I was without that title. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Sarah didn't quit. She was laid off. But there's more to this story. After being laid off from her dream job, Sarah took stock of what she wanted from work and from life. That's not unusual. This past year and a half has been a time for many of us to take a pause and figure out what it is we really want out of work and out of life. And just as Sarah was getting settled in a new job, the phone rang. It was the company that had laid her off. Business was heating up. They needed her back. She got a second chance back in her dream job. My first reaction was, oh my gosh, they want me back. They they see something in me. You know, they chose me. They want me. They like me. It was very exciting and it was an adrenaline rush. It was all emotion and not a lot of thought, to be quite honest. I jumped at it. I said, yes. So this sounds like a happy ending, right? Well... Not so fast. Even though Sarah said yes to coming back, she was already having second thoughts. And it meant that I would be commuting an hour each way every day. And it meant that I wouldn't have weekends off and I wouldn't have a lot of time and balance in the things that I learned to now value. I just said yes because it meant that they wanted me. So as time went on, Sarah continued thinking about her future that began during the pandemic. And soon enough... Sarah had an aha moment and decided to leave the dream job. If you would have asked me this a year and a half ago, I would have said, that is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. That's where I meant to be. Once I got back there, I quickly realized, no, this doesn't align with my morals and values anymore. I knew I was worth more than what, not only financially what I was getting, but I guess the treatment and the values that they kind of imposed on me. It was 
not what I was wanting or needing at this time in my life. At one point, Sarah thought that her dream job would be everything she'd hoped for. It was more than just a job. It was her ideal identity. But her ideas about work-life balance were changing. You're kind of having to sit back and realize what is important to you. And I realized that, you know, my career isn't everything. My whole identity should not be in my career. I realized I want a job where I can have a family and raise children and not miss out on opportunities. Sarah's story is echoed in the experience of thousands of others who have left their jobs in the past year. In a 2021 study in the UK and Ireland, almost a quarter of people planning to quit their jobs said it was because of a worsening work-life balance. I think the key word is balance. I had no balance in my life. I needed time, you know, for me, I needed time for my health. I needed time for my family and my friends. And I needed a weekend. I needed to be able to go to my leader and say, hey, I'm having a bad mental health day, or I need to go to a doctor's appointment, or I just want a Friday off because... I would like to go to the beach. (laughs) The dream job had lost its luster for Sarah. It was extremely difficult. It was scary. Even though I did have a job, you know, that I was welcomed back to with open arms, thankfully, it was really vulnerable to kind of sit down with somebody who, to be honest, my leader was somebody I'd never worked with before. This was, you know, we're only known each other for five weeks. I had to sit down and say, hey, this is no longer serving me And it's not something that I can see myself doing at this time in my life. It was really difficult. It was vulnerable. It was scary, (laughs) but it was necessary. The job Sarah has now is a better fit for who she is. She's now working in communications for a healthcare company that challenges her, is fast paced and gives her the balance she craves. So I work Monday through Friday with ample breaks and uh, time off if needed. I am working from home 100% at the moment. Um, so I have my nice little home office. I, with the opportunity to be going hybrid eventually, once um, our state opens back up a little bit more, it's great because I get to kind of make my own hours. If I need to take an extended lunch, if I need to go to the grocery store, if I need to go to a doctor's appointment or just need time to unwind if I had a especially difficult morning, I have that opportunity to take a breather, go outside, take a walk. It's amazing flexibility. So what's the takeaway here? Sarah says that when it comes to employees, it's now a seller's market. Companies have to work to attract talent. They have to become a place where people really want to work. Companies need to really (laughs) reevaluate what they stand for. There's going to be no retention if certain companies are staying the way that they are. And it's those large corporations that really set the precedence for all other companies. I think we really need to stand together. The world needs to kind of come together and say, hey, this is what's important. And it's not running yourself to the ground for a job. That's not taking care of you and who you are. We need to take care of ourselves before our career, I think. And I think a lot of people are kind of getting on the same page and it's going to take time, but it's going to happen. We all want to create an environment that attracts great employees. Sounds like Sarah's new employer has figured out how to attract and keep good talent. 
So Sarah has found work that fits her life, and that's great. But what can we learn when we look to Sarah and the millions of other Americans who are quitting their jobs? What is pushing people out the door? And just as importantly, what are the reasons that people are staying put? So the Great Resignation describes the increase in people who've been leaving their jobs, especially over the last six months. I think a lot of people became excited about the opportunities and also had just been through so much after the past year that a lot were just looking for a fresh start. And so that, again, was reflected in these much higher than average quit rates. That has continued. That's Liz Fossling. She's the co-author of the bestseller, No Hard Feelings, The Secret Power of Embracing Emotions at Work, and an expert on how to make work better. She's also head of content at Humu, an HR company. In the past year, she has seen a big shift in the employee-employer power dynamic. So what we've heard at Humu across customers and what I've also heard anecdotally in my own conversations with leaders, especially in human resources, is that the power has shifted from employer to employee. And so People also saw over the past 18 months what's possible. They spent less time at the office or commuting, and so that gave them more opportunities to rediscover the other parts of life that are meaningful. So spending time with your family, staring up at the sky and watching the clouds go by, whatever it might be that matters to you, that's not work. We had more time for that. It was a slower pace of life for those people who were lucky enough to work from home. And so I think that has made people much less willing to put up with some of the workplaces in which they didn't feel included before the pandemic and when they were still going into the office. So I think in all organizations, there's a shift of power towards employees. So employees have more say in terms of what they want, flexibility in their work. In a poll back in September, Citrix talked to more than 400 people who had left a job or were considering leaving a job. 35% said they were leaving because they were burnt out. Liz Fossling says there's plenty of additional research that has identified an upturn in burnout. So research shows that over 80% of people in the workforce experienced burnout once last year, at least once. And so many more experienced it multiple times. And again, that's just understanding that the pandemic was exhausting. It was stressful, especially for managers. That's interesting. We often forget the stress that managers are under. Turns out there's a lot on their plate. So burnout rates tend to be higher among managers in these tech companies because they are now being leaned on to communicate policies to employees, to establish culture within a remote or hybrid setting, which is, it just takes a lot of time. You have to be very thoughtful about how to do that. And they're still doing all the things that they used to do. So managers are tasked with trying to keep everything running smoothly in extraordinary times and making sure that their employees are doing all right but they're feeling the strain too. You also can't walk by someone's desk anymore and quickly ask a question or answer a question. You have to set up the 30-minute video call and that's really draining. So one thing, especially again around managers that we've been hearing is they're saying, I'm doing the work, but without the fun. And I also don't feel like I have a sense at all anymore of how my people are feeling and what kind of support they might need. So Yes, burnout is across sectors, I would say, actually, across job types, but we're really seeing it at this manager level. I think a big reason that people are leaving is the lack of relational 
aspects of work. And so what's interesting is that often I'll hear business leaders focus on the quantitative side of work. So maybe they're leaving because they can get a higher salary or they're leaving because they can get better benefits. But it seems pretty much across the board what employees are saying they want more of is meaning, connection, and purpose. So what gives a job meaning? One of the ways to answer that question is to look to employees who are staying put and ask them why they aren't leaving. There's many reasons to stay at a job. That also includes work sometimes is meaningful because it gives you a paycheck with which you can provide for your family or put a roof over your head. And that's a perfectly reasonable reason to find work meaningful. And so I think it really is taking a step back holistically. I mean, if you're in a horrible work environment, you should probably leave. You'll probably look back on it and thank yourself for doing so. But if there's some parts of your job that you like, then actually try going a couple days by creating more flexibility for yourself and see what happens. Or see if you can have a conversation with your manager about, here's how I'd like to structure my day, here's why, here's how I think it would improve my work and improve my performance, and see if they can help accommodate you. Liz Fossling's advice and insight is sourced from working with dozens of employers. Her macro view gives her the wide scope to understand what employees want and need from their work, particularly at this singular moment in time. And so going back to the offices after not having been there for 18 months, by then two years almost, is going to be an incredible (laughs) fresh start. And so really thinking ahead and saying, what are the values that we want to live by as an organization? And you should have three. You should not have 20. Nobody's going to remember 20, but they can probably remember three. And then what are the behaviors that will bring those values to life? And how can we model those on day one? What kind of feedback can we give? What incentives can we offer? How can we train managers to bring those values to life in the first 30 days, the first 60 days, the first 90 days? And so seeing it as an opportunity to set the culture that you've always wanted to create within your organization. To help her clients embrace their rejuvenation, Liz offers three tips to attract and retain a talented workforce. Tip number one, connect with coworkers, particularly all those new hires that started during the pandemic. So one of the biggest reasons people like their jobs and stay is because they feel included, they feel connected, they feel like they have a community at work. And that doesn't mean that your work has to be your family or your best friend. It's just, it's nicer to work when you work with people that you care about and that you trust and that you feel respect you. And so trying to cultivate that. I know some managers I've spoken with have set up random one-on-ones between their team members. So it's not always the manager talking to their reports. Sometimes it's just the team getting to know each other. Liz Fossling's second tip, now is the time to take that extra step to foster and strengthen relationships. And so again, really trying to be purposeful. One, when you go back in the office of when you are all together, focusing more on relationships than performance for the first few months of reconnecting everyone getting them together to work as a team, and then also looking for ways to create those moments that really embed someone in an organization and make them want to stay and want to invest in the company. You know, still, it can feel like a drag sometimes when it's remote to set up a virtual social event when you have so many meetings and we've been virtual now for 18 months. But I'll speak personally, what I found is that 
five minutes into that one hour social event, I actually really enjoy myself. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad (laughs) we made time for this today. I do miss these people. Um, And then also acknowledging some large organizations have hired up to 30% of their staff over the last year. And so realizing that there are all these people that don't actually know your culture, have never met their manager, have never met other people. Strengthening relationships is critically important for a distributed workforce. We need to devote meaningful time and effort to community and relationship building. That's the only way we're going to foster an equitable hybrid working environment. And finally, Liz offers up tip number three. Give your employees purpose. So encouraging managers to set a three-month mission for their teams where they say, over the next three months, we're going to try to deliver this exceptional customer experience, or it can be we're going to try to become more inclusive as a team. But putting some kind of inspirational stake in the ground, also at a time frame that's not too distant, so uncertainty isn't going to completely upend your plans. So definitely reinvesting in meaning. Connecting. Strengthening relationships, giving employees purpose. Three powerful tips. Three imperatives at a time when the power balance lies with employees. If the great resignation is to become the great rejuvenation, then organizations must be ready to understand and accept why employees are leaving and to take action to create a work environment that's worth being a part of. It's a range of reasons, but generally it seems to be that they're leaving for more meaningful work and better work-life balance. Um, And I read a statistic that one in three people who quit over the past couple months did not have another job lined up. So they're not necessarily leaving for a different company. They might just be leaving because they've had enough and they're exhausted, they're burnt out, and they just can't put in the hours that they have been asked to put in. Laszlo Bach wrote Work Rules. He was a CHRO, Chief Human Resources Officer at Google for 10 years. He founded the company where I work. And one of the things that he's been saying recently that I think is true is people want to work. They just don't want to work for you. And so I think that's something really to keep in mind is, you know, you can demand a lot of people you can treat them poorly. You might see higher profits that year, but at some point you're going to have to pay the price. And I think that's actually what we're seeing now is many organizations paying the price for how they've treated employees over the past five, 10 years. So while it may be a difficult prospect, asking people why they left your organization can be a valuable learning experience. I think the exit interview is a good opportunity. So when people no longer feel scared to say something. There's just less risk in voicing your opinion when you're not going to be at the company a week from then. That's actually a great opportunity to learn from what wasn't working. Also, what was working? What did they like about the company? Listening to why an employee decided to leave can be tough, but that listening can yield practical and maybe painful information about what you could be doing better to improve retention. Chances are what you hear will echo back to Liz Fossling's three tips. Creating connection, strengthening relationships, giving employees purpose. Sarah, who we heard from at the top of the show, says employers need to be proactive. They need to reach out and listen. Taking the time to really get to know people for who they are and not just the work that they do. Ask them about their family life, ask them about life outside of their career and get to know who they are and what their values are and what they need out of their career because 
there are so many other companies that will give them what they're looking for. A recent Citrix study asked employees, what is keeping you in your current role? The number one answer, I like what I do. I've always believed that if you do what you love, it's like winning the lottery. It's up to us to create a working environment that helps people achieve that. You've been listening to Remote Works, Hybrid Survival Guide, an original podcast on fieldwork by Citrix. Subscribe and come back in two weeks. That's at citrix.com slash remote works.